Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash, and today we're talking about stress tests, financial stress tests. And I'd encourage you to run a stress test on the weakest link in the chain. The U.S. bank regulator runs stress tests on banks all the time under the Dodd-Frank Act, which was enacted following the 2008 financial crisis. The purpose of these stress tests is to make sure the balance sheet of the bank remains strong and resilient to any deterioration. What they're not examining fully is what's called counterparty risk. And today we're going to talk about what is counterparty risk and how this is not factored into the equation. Imagine that your friend Bob owes you $50,000. He was in a bind, so you lent Bob $50,000. Bob's a great friend, an upstanding guy, and he's meticulous about paying his bills on time. In the meantime, you have some of your own debt, perhaps a mortgage on an investment property. Bob's loan appears as an asset on your balance sheet, and the loan on your investment property appears as a liability. Everyone's paying on time, and life is good. But say Bob gets sick and can't work for a month. He gets further behind and can't make his payments to you. You are relying on Bob's payment in order to make your payments on your investment property. Because, you know, it's a vacation property and it's low season, which means there's a period of a few months of negative cash flow, and you haven't kept an interest reserve for that period. That's how the dominoes start to fall. It's exactly the same thing with a bank. A deposit appears as a liability on the bank's balance sheet, and a loan appears as an asset. But if that loan fails to get repaid, you now have an imbalance because you have an asset that's gone toxic and you still have the same liabilities back to the depositors. So let's talk about companies that don't generate enough cash flow to service the interest on their debt. I'm thinking of companies like Tesla and Netflix. That's right, two of the leading companies that have become household names in their market segments only exist because banks and the bond markets have been all too willing to write huge amounts of debt. Their very survival depends on them acquiring more debt because they don't generate enough cash flow to service their existing debt. Tesla had $2.7 billion in cash at the end of the first quarter, down from $3.4 billion at year-end. And the street doesn't think Tesla has enough cash to last another six months. In addition to its general cash hemorrhaging operations, the company is going to need to pay down a $230 million convertible bond in November if its stock doesn't hit the predetermined conversion price of $560.64. That means the stock would have to nearly double from today's valuation. And then there's a further $920 million convertible bond next March if the stock doesn't hit $359.87. So how many of these high-quality companies and individuals will become exposed when their counterparty risk becomes toxic? What happens when Tesla doesn't have enough cash to pay back that convertible bond in November or the $920 million convertible bond next March? I believe there's going to be another financial crisis. In my opinion, it's going to be driven by debt, just like 2008 was a debt crisis. 2008 was not a real estate crisis. It was a debt crisis created by writing high-risk bad loans. Those loans were bad on the day they were written. There's only two things I can't predict. Which domino is going to fall first? Is it going to be government debt? Will it be corporate debt? Which government will default first? Is it going to be Japan, Italy, Spain, Portugal, maybe Argentina, or who knows, the good old USA? And number two, I can't predict when it'll happen. We don't know if the next wave of defaults is going to be driven by corporate debt or government debt. 
Only a year ago, Argentina issued $2.75 billion of bonds denominated in U.S. dollars. They have a 100-year term, this from a country that's defaulted eight times in the last 100 years. The chance of those bonds getting repaid in 100 years is darn close to zero. Argentina is already experiencing 25% inflation, and they spent $8 billion trying to prop up their currency in the foreign exchange markets. And most recently, the Argentine government asked the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, for an emergency $30 billion line of credit in order to remain solvent. So less than a year later, those 100-year bonds are trading at $0.83, cents, reflecting the market's deep concerns over their ability to repay. Governments across the board are trying to devalue their currencies and inflate their way out of their debt problems. And that only works in a scenario of real economic growth, where the growth exceeds the cost of borrowing. So buckle up, folks. Make sure you've got enough cash to withstand the next debt crisis. Don't assume that credit will be as easy to get then as it is today. In the meantime, take a close look at your portfolio. Make sure you're sitting on some cash. Have an awesome day. Make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.